Welcome, everybody, to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is episode number 82, and this is a resource that's designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. In this episode, you're going to hear from our kids pastor, Vince Pieri, and our director of worship arts, Nicole Kyle, as they talk at the most recent Engage and Equip Live. At this Engage and Equip Live, what they were talking about was evangelism and some of the really practical ways to do evangelism. When they were looking at how evangelism was done as they were talking to various people, they found out that it basically boiled down to three things. One, asking questions. Two, giving invitations. And then three, sharing the gospel. So they're going to go through how to do those things practically in the lives of other people. So take a listen. We, um, when we first started Engage and Equip, there were uh, three things that we wanted to do. We wanted to have um, this general time of just teaching about ministry and vision and that kind of stuff. The second thing was we wanted to have a breakouts about quarterly where all the sessions worked on like a general ministry principle about like how to do something general in ministry. And then third, we wanted to have enough training in each of our specific areas so that we could really train on the craft of the specific ministry that we're doing. As time has evolved, there just isn't actually time to do all three of those all the time. And so in order to try not to multiply the number of meetings we asked people to come to at High Point, we realized that what we were going to have to do is take some of the general ministry sessions that we were going to do through breakouts and put them in the main one and then have so that there's enough time in the breakout sessions to really focus on the craft of the specific ministry that you're doing. And so tonight, the first one of those that I've seen it before, I went to it when it was a breakout session, but everybody needs to be in this one like about every month, but we're only going to do it this one time, is uh, is the evangelism that in sharing your faith that was done by Vince and Nicole. So Nicole was on crew staff where they had to share their faith constantly, and it's been a big part ministry and her ministry and then her ministry in the local church and then Vince is an evangelism nut as everyone knows which is great um, we should all probably be a little bit more like that so um, but neither of them are what, what I like to call the college athlete natural that is so brimming with constant positivity and um, like charisma of their absolute confidence that everybody just falls like you know, emotionally slain women before their beauty and like that sort of thing. Like there, I don't know if you've ever met people like that, but there are these like big handsome dudes that like lead the, yeah, like you, like you, Paul. Yeah, they just like every time they eat, every time they eat, like bus boys are coming out into the kitchen to kneel and receive Christ. You know that. And when those people do evangelism talks, it's basically useless because every it's like the t- given a story about the guy who prays seventeen hours a day for your prayer talk. It does nothing because everybody goes just like, I quit. They just quit. And so um, I'm a very strong believer in evangelism talks done by normal people who take the call to share their faith very seriously and have tried to work out how to do it with somebody who's not just a natural. And so they've had to actually work on the craft of doing it. And both Nicole and Vince have done that. And so they worked really hard in this talk. I know it's fabulous because I've seen it once and it's already been a podcast episode that I interviewed. So um, pay really close attention because what they're going to talk about tonight is a very helpful way to try to lead people to Jesus over time in relationship. So come on, guys. I see you, Matt. Hello, everyone. If you haven't met us before, my name is Nicole. I'm the worship director here. And I'm Vince, the kids pastor. Yes, so good to see you all. Everybody feeling good? All right, great. So before we jump in, we're going to give you three minutes to talk as a table. 
And this is the goal of that time. To say one or two or three feeling words, individual words, that come to mind when you think about you personally doing evangelism. So they might be negative, they might be positive, but you guys just talk about yourselves for three minutes and I'll come right back. Ready, set, go. All right, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. Yes, yes. Okay, real, this might feel a little cheesy, but just do it. Everybody, uh, just just shout out a couple of the words you shared. Yes, good. Keep going. Yeah, 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 come on. So good, so good, so good, so good. Okay, thanks Thanks for doing that. All right, so this whole thing is going to be about the how, right? How we do it. We just want to talk just real quick, to be quick at the beginning, though, about the why. Stretch your arms out, either side, like this. This is the span of the Christian life, right? Where you come to Christ at the beginning, you grow up, in Christ, you mature all the way down until you get to heaven, right? Okay, put your arms down. God has a special place in his heart for that beginning step. Does that make sense? That first step over the line of faith is central to who God is and what he's about. Look at what Jesus said. He says, I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That one sinner repenting is talking about that person first crossing the line of faith at the very beginning. Uh, a bias towards that is not something that seeker-sensitive churches invented. It's not something Billy Graham invented. It's not something mega churches invented. It's not something that your Sunday school teachers just told you because it felt like the right thing to tell you. That is at the center of who God is. This says that there is rejoicing over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent, right? It's not saying God's like, if you're in, I don't care about you anymore. If you're going along the path, growing in your faith, there is rejoicing in heaven about you. If there's 99 people doing that, there's rejoicing in heaven over the 99 people. But Jesus says there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one person who steps over the line than over the 99 people who are growing. On Sunday mornings at High Point Church, we have about 600 people who um, attend, most of whom are Christians. Last year, we, as a church, led roughly six people to Christ. I found that very fascinating because it's about the same proportion as the passage. So I guess we're not doing that bad. <laughs> but think about this. All 600 of us coming on Sunday mornings who love Jesus and know him and want to grow and are listening to Nick's sermons and are like, I'm getting challenged and I'm going deeper and I'm going to small group, getting better at marriage and better at parenting and I'm getting out of my addictions and all that stuff. There is rejoicing in heaven over all of us who did that over the last year. All 600 of us. But heaven was more excited about the six people that came to Christ. Amen? God actually rejoiced, and the angels and everybody in heaven rejoiced more over the six people than over all 600 of us. I want to make heaven happy. 
I want there to be parties in heaven all the time. Me and Nicole and Nick want High Point Church to be the kind of church that is just setting off parties in heaven all the time. That we're making heaven rejoice all the time. And if we all come and grow in Christ, there will be rejoicing in heaven. And we don't lead anyone to Christ. There will still be rejoicing in heaven. But there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one person who comes to Christ than over all of us coming and just growing. I want to go, I want to get to the end of my life. And you want this too. I know you guys all want this too. I want to get to the end of my life and look back and see a trail of people, a trail of names, a trail of changed lives, a trail of people who said yes to Jesus because God used me as a steward to bring them into a relationship with him. I want there to be like 20 or 30 parties in heaven that I'm responsible for. That makes sense? I want heaven to be 20 or 30 people bigger because I said, I'm going to put this at the forefront of my life, even though it's hard, even though it hurts, even though it feels like it's not working at all. And that's what you all want too. I know you want that. I know you want that. That's, that's the kind of church we want to be. That's what we're doing. That's what it's all about, right? Amen? Amen. Come on, 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 come on. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. So we're going to talk about how to do it tonight. All right, we're going to talk first about a couple of misconceptions, and we're just going to speed through these so that we can get to some more practical stuff. But the first misconception is we don't want you to walk away thinking this thing. Evangelism is just walking up to a stranger that you don't know and telling them about Jesus. That is not true. That is a way to do evangelism, but that is not the only way to do evangelism. We see examples of that in the Bible. We see lots of examples of that, but we also see examples of people talking to people who they already have pre-existing relationships with. That's primarily what we're going to talk about tonight. So that's the first misconception. Yeah, second really big misconception that maybe you felt before too is that um, evangelism is mostly about one conversation where you share the gospel and someone says yes and then they grow up and mature and you're like, okay, I just did evangelism. That happens occasionally. Most of the time it happens when someone already grew up in church and kind of already knows the stuff and just kind of like gets on board at the last minute. If it's somebody who genuinely did not grow up believing in Jesus and would say they don't believe in Jesus, they usually come to Christ not through one conversation but through a process, often a very long process of a year or two or three or four or five years of you investing in that person. So that's what we're talking about tonight. Mm -hmm. So it's probably not going to be a stranger, what we're talking about tonight, and it might take a really long time. So we want to talk about how. We want you to walk away from here tonight and be able to say, all right, I might be afraid. I might not know exactly the words I'm going to say, but I know a pretty simple, general process for how I can have spiritual conversations and share the gospel with my friends. So... When we were first talking about this and we were thinking through relationships that we've had in the past, experiences we've had between the two of us and then also we asked a few other people that uh, were on staff, we felt like everyone came down to this main simple um, system kind of thing. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And we call it the the evangelism evangelism wheel. Wow. Look Look at at that. Spinning on the screen. Technology. We also have, oh, someone was clapping, you can clap for that. A flesh and blood evangelism wheel. Whoa. It spins in real life. Okay. All right, so (laughs) the evangelism wheel. We want to all spin the evangelism wheel. That's something that you can, a phrase you can say now, right? Fail in the right direction and spin the evangelism wheel. Okay. Just keep on spinning. That's what you can say. You got wheels on your table you can take home as well. Okay, so we're going to get to those wheels, but don't look on the back of them. They're cheat sheets. Don't Don't cheat. look on the back. Okay. Just look at the side Just that looks look like this. Just look at the side. Okay, so the first part of the evangelism wheel that we're going to talk about 
is right here. Ask questions. So in order to have a meaningful and significant conversation with somebody about Jesus and about the gospel, you've got to know them. And so remember, we're talking about relationships with people that you already know. So this is, think through the person who sits across the cubicle at work, or think through the mom that you met at the park and you keep running into each other there, or think through your classmate, or if you eat lunch in the break room and the same people are always there. These are people that you already have pre-existing relationships with. If you don't have someone like that then that's really your first step is yes. to just build some basic relationship with some people who don't know Jesus. Once you have that relationship with them we, you want to ask questions to figure out where they're at spiritually now. What do they believe about God about faith about the afterlife now and so in order to do that you have to ask questions. So we're going to talk about some examples of questions you can ask but before that we want you to at your tables discuss with each other what are some questions that you could ask and think of that person. If there is someone like that in your life right now, think of them as you're doing this exercise right now. And also try to think of ways or, or questions that are less awkward than others. Yeah. So Ready? we're going to give Two you a couple minutes. minutes. There you go. All right. Let's bring it back. Okay. So just like we did before, let's have a few people shout out some examples of some questions you came up with. Why do you do the job you do? Oh, there we go. Why do you do the job you do? Great. Do you have any kind of faith? Mm -hmm. Who is Jesus to you? What did you do this weekend? That's oh, a great one because they're probably going to turn that around on you. And hopefully you were at church. All right. Is that what you were thinking, Mitch? <laughs> Was that Luke? Yeah, that's a great one. That's a really good one because they'll say whatever they did and you say, oh, they don't even have to ask you back. You can just say, oh, I went to church. And, now the conversation and then you can ask them another question after you've said you went to church. Because yeah, remember, so we want to ask them questions. We don't just want to be talking a ton ourselves. Yeah. Any other questions? Let's have two more. Where do you go to church? Ask why questions. What's an example of a why question? What do you study and why? Great. Okay, these are some really good questions. Um, sometimes you're going to feel a little nervous or awkward to ask that question, but here's a really important thing to remember. You probably feel a lot more uncomfortable than that person does. So, for example, um, my husband, Scott, he has a really good friend. They've been friends since, like, second grade or something, and they've had a lot of spiritual conversations, but I had never talked to him about anything. And he was visiting us. We were eating dinner, and Scott was praying before we ate, and I was just sitting here as we were praying, and my heart was pounding. I'm like, I think I have to ask him a question and I've never talked to him about any of this and I'm so nervous and I just I knew that I had to say the first words after the prayer was done otherwise I wouldn't have said anything and so Scott got done praying and I was like Ryan do you believe in God <laughs> and that was what I felt like I needed to ask him and he was like I don't really know Maybe not. I'm not really sure. But he didn't feel uncomfortable about it. And we were able to keep having more of a conversation at that dinner. And then it continued on. So even though I felt super awkward and uncomfortable, he didn't feel that way. Well, at least he didn't act like it and stayed my friend. So yeah, yeah. yeah so a couple examples. Um, this is on the back of your card. But keep your card face down because we don't want you to see the cheat sheet because there's some other cheat sheet stuff you can't see yet. And um, those were good answers. Yeah, they are right up there. Oh, yeah, they're all on there. Well, the other ones are turned the other way, so <laughs> maybe, you, <laughs> maybe you won't be able to read them. Oh, no, you're right, you're right. Silly me, silly me. 
Um, the point is, though, th those were good answers, but those, some of those answers also made me glad we're do doing this training because there's some really, I think, even a little bit simpler ones than some of the ones that got shouted out. Like, you can really, like, just say some of these. Do you consider yourself spiritual? What does that look like for you? Just really open-ended. You know, if you say, what church do you go to, they might, that might already feel like they're assuming you go to church. Just start real general. Did you grow up going to church? This is a question people who don't believe in Jesus ask. So you're not even showing your cards yet. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not exerting any influence on them. They're not going to feel any pressure from you. Just did you go to church yet? What are some of your biggest priorities in life? Um, how's your experience with Christians been? I'm a Christian. Have you met any Christians before? How, what, how did that go? What was it like? Um, have you ever read any of the Bible? That kind of thing. Just real general, real just basic stuff just to feel out where they're at. And remember that the goal of this is that you want to get to know them and where they're at right now spiritually so yes. that you can continue yes. to build your relationship and know. And we'll, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. So, all right. Number one, ask questions. Yes. And after you do number one, we're really, really proud of this, guys. You spin the wheel. <laughs> Wow, two invitations. Now, okay, so this is this is really important because oftentimes when you ask these questions, you figure out where someone's at, in your head, you think my next job is to say, well, let me tell you what the truth is, All right? And you're like, that feels weird. I probably shouldn't say it like that. So maybe I'm supposed to say, well, can I just share with you um, you know, why I don't believe in evolution or something weird like that. You know what I mean? So the, the most of the time, you're not going to go from let me find out what you believe to let me tell you what you should believe. Okay? Most of the time, and again, this is all learned from trial and error. <laughs> most of the time, you want to invite them into an experience. Most people come to Christ as an adult don't even come through one person sharing the gospel with another person. They come through being brought into and a community experience, a group, or something like that. So we want to give you a couple more minutes again to talk about what are some things, if, if you talk to someone, you find out where they're at, you find out they're not a Christian, depending on where they're at depends on what you try to invite them to most of the time. So talk at the table, what are some things you might want to invite someone to um, based on where they're at? Two minutes, ready, set, go. All right, wrap it up. One, there we go. All right, same thing. Shout it out real quick, like five or six. And if they're bad, I'll tell you they're bad again. Just kidding. That's your next out? Well, listen to the greatest story ever told. Why not? Right, okay. That. Right. Love it. Love it. If you've got a, a friend who's a parent and they've got kids, maybe you invite them to something like that. Great. What else? Christian holiday events. Yeah, people are most likely to say yes to coming to a church thing if it's at a Christian holiday. Absolutely. What else? Coffee. Coffee. Game night. Yes. Game night. Just bring them into something where other Christian people are. Yes. Coffee's great. Coffee, so, talks. coffee talks. You have a place where it's about discussion and the people there are assuming not everybody's on board. What'd you say, Bev? Potluck. Social. Just spending time together. Yes. Love it. Bible study, depending on the person, a Bible study can be a great next step for a non-Christian because it's conversation, it's a place where you can share your opinions. The apologetics guy, yes, it was John Lennox, yes, yes, absolutely. Any other ones? A couple other, real quick. 
volleyball, just playing a game together. Just meet some other Christian people. You can say, listen, there's going to be some other Christian people there, but no one's going to talk to you about God. We're going to play volleyball. Like, great. I heard one over there. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yes. Doing something to serve people in need with the Christian banner way in the background will get you a whole lot of yeses. Absolutely. Does this make sense? So you ask questions. You find out where they're at. Then instead of telling them, you got to believe in Jesus right now, say, hey, come, come to this thing with me. A couple of stories real quick. Um, Lauren and Caleb Jones, are they here tonight? Yes, they shared the small group leaders training. They had a friend, I think it was a friend, maybe a spouse or something. I don't know what it was, but it was a guy who church would not have been the best first step for him. He wasn't open to doing that, but he started coming to their small group. Some people will be scared to go to church, but they'll go to a small group. Sometimes it's flipped. But he went to their small group, and he actually came to Christ through their small group. And never, that all happened before he went to church. Um, I had a friend named Brandon, who I'm going to bring up a little bit later as we share about the whole process of spinning, um, who, he was my neighbor across the hall, and he grew up Catholic, walked away, didn't believe in God, but he was a musician. He played drums, so I brought him to the worship night that we do on Saturday nights at the church. First next step for him. Um, sometimes you can invite people into, like, a mentoring relationship even before they believe in Jesus. Laura Helwig, where are you at? You're here, right? Laura, yes. Laura had a girl that she was meeting with really doing discipleship with this girl who was not a Christian. They were meeting once a week. I don't know if they still are or not, but um, talking to, about life with her and her struggles and issues and stuff she was going through, you know, as kind of an older um, friend type of situation, and that's all great. So um, the most important thing about the next steps is um, don't look for them to express interest on the front end. Like, don't be like, I'm going to invite them to something when it seems like they want to go to something. No one's ever going to seem like they want to go to something. Was, you know, people don't invite each other to do anything hardly besides drink in, like, outside of the church world. You know what I mean? So they're not going to be like, dude, invite me to something at your church. So you... <laughs> <laughs> you just... You invite, you let them say no. Don't say no for them. I've seen people just surprise me. There's a guy named Jim who, um, I, first time I talked to him, I went straight into questions because he was a really open guy and I just felt like the right thing. And I was like, dude, I'm a Christian. What's your faith story? And he's like, dude, I do not believe in God. I grew up not believing in God. I met some Christians in my early 20s. I started hanging out with them. I became a Christian. I was living as a Christian for three years and they all turned out to be hypocrites. So I walked away. I haven't been to church in five years and I'm never going back. And I was like, dude, you should come to church. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and he came several times. And then he was like, dude, I'm out of here. And I was like, all right, that's fine. That's fine. And then I just texted him today, and I said, dude, come to church this Sunday. I'm preaching. And he was like, oh, I'm on a really good no church streak right now. <laughs> and I was like, come on. I said, listen, if you break it, I'll smoke weed with you. And then I said, I'm just kidding. And he said, I know you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is getting bad real quick. So, <laughs> so here's, here's the point. Here's the point. You ask questions. You give an invite to something. Let them say no. If they say no, you're like, all right, I'm done with you. God's done with you. I'm walking away. Right? No. Here's what you do. It's a wheel. You just spit it on right back. 
and say, let's go back to just talking about your life. Wait a, wait a week, wait a couple weeks, wait a month. You go back to asking questions, you do another invite, you go back and forth between these two. Sometimes before you ever get to actually sharing the gospel, you're going to bounce back and forth between these two for maybe a year, maybe two years. Not always. Sometimes this whole thing will spin in like a few days. Sometimes it'll just spin and start spinning real quick. But sometimes you got to discern how fast do I go between these two? How often do I do them? It's a wheel. You guys tracking with this? And you yeah. have to you have to remember that they're going to say no. And the same person might say no a handful of times, but they will hopefully and prayerfully, they might eventually give you a yes. And so the person who I talked about before, Scott's friend from growing up, Scott had talked to him a lot for years about coming to church and coming to different things and wanting to talk about faith. He's like, I just don't really want to talk about that with you anymore. And they had to cool it off for a while. And then I asked him about, do you believe in God? And then started asking him, hey, do you want to come to church with us? And got a lot of no's, a lot of no's. And he would come visit us for the weekend. And then he wouldn't want to come on a Sunday with us to church until one day I was driving and leaving for church early in the morning. It's like 630. He's still sleeping in the basement. I thought, I just feel like I should text him and invite him. And then he he said to me, he texted me back and he said, I have to go home for my dad's birthday, but I'm really glad that you invited me and I would like to come to church with you. What? And that took years of a friendship. Eight, years. Eight years from that moment from when Scott became a Christian, or maybe even almost 10 years from when he became a Christian and started sharing his faith with this guy before he finally said yes to something. That's a long time. So remember, you don't know what they might say, even if you've heard no from them a lot of times. Another quick story. I met a woman at a coffee shop. I was at Hellbox. Do you guys know Hellbox? So I was at Hellbox where lots of Christians hang out. And Christian coffee shop. Yeah. Christian owners. And um, this woman, she is, we're at very different life stages from each other. She's, um, she's 75. She's from New York. She's um, this Jewish woman. And I'm not, none of those things except for a woman. And um, we, she struck up a conversation with me and we started talking. And then as we're talking, Beth Williams walked by. And so Beth and I are saying hi to each other and chatting a little bit. And then she goes inside. And I said, oh, that's my friend Beth. Her sister owns this place. And then this woman looked at me and she said, her sister, the woman who owns this, she started the Jesus lunch. <laughs> and I said, I know that, actually. <laughs> You're right. She did. And she said, I don't like the Jesus lunch. And I was like, okay, well, tell me more about that. And she started telling me more about that. And she really is opposed to um, the Jesus lunch and religion in general. She doesn't like to see it intermixed with the schools, but we started talking more about it. And then after it got done, I asked if she wanted to hang out again. And she said, yeah, I would love to. And then she told me she loved me and gave me a hug. And then the next time I brought my son and we talked a little bit more and she brought her puppy and we're just talking and building relationships. And it came up that I was helping with this musical. And again, the whole conversation was about faith and how she doesn't really like it. But I said, like Charity said, I said, hey, do you want to come to the musical? And she said, yes, I would like to. And then I got, um, I forgot to invite her, <laughs> which stinks. But it happens. It happens. If you're spinning a lot of wheels sometimes, you forget about one. But, <laughs> but she hung out with me again and it came up again. And every time we've hung out, that's what she has wanted to talk with me about. And so you never know what they're going to say. So you need to remember that and you need to hold on to that hope when you're feeling really discouraged that you don't know what they're going to say. Yeah, The fact that it takes a long time for some people should not be discouraging. If we all said yes to this, not even all, not even the whole church. If just the people said yes to this in this room, even if it took two or three or four years for each person that you engaged with, not all those people are going to be on the same timeline 
and that you're engaged with. Do you see what I'm saying? And so let's say it took an average of two to three or four years per person in this room. There'd be like 20 or 30 people coming to Christ every year. We could hardly keep up with that. Does that make sense? So when we all say yes to it, even if it takes a long time per person, it will produce a big stream. The churches that are reaching a lot of non-Christian people, it's not like they're filled with people who are just leading people to Christ left and right. They're just filled with people who are just in their daily lives are spinning the wheel. So we talked about, number one, ask questions. Number two, give invitations. And so number three, the third part of the wheel is to share the gospel. And the desire and the hope and the goal is that in all of these relationships, even though it might take a while, that you would get to this part, to share the gospel. And when we say that, we want to be really clear that we mean share the gospel with words. It's easy to think that you can be um, a really nice person to your coworker or your neighbor, and they're going to say, oh, my goodness, you are so nice. I've never met anybody like you. Will you please tell me why you're different? That's not going to happen. Yeah, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen real. If we live in the Midwest, people are really nice. If you show up and work hard at your job, which you should, and be really nice to people, which you should, you're going to look like everybody else you work with. That's what we all do. Everybody shows up and works hard. If you were in prison, it might work. You know what I'm saying? If any of you commit a crime and you go to prison, and in prison, you say, I want to be really nice to everybody and work really hard all the time. People will be like, man, you're different than a lot of the people around here. I think. I haven't been to prison, but I'm assuming. <laughs> Not yet, at least. We'll see about the weed thing. But if that's your strategy, and I've heard so many people say this at our church. Say, listen, you just love people, and they'll come to you wanting to know about Jesus. <laughs> Does not work. You have got, at, at some point, mm -hmm. you have to share the gospel. Yeah. This is back on. Okay. There are so many different ways that you can share the gospel with somebody. And so that goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, asking questions, spending time with them, getting to know them. In the process of getting to know them, that's going to help you figure out how to share the gospel with them. So if you talk to somebody and you learned that they themselves were adopted, sharing the gospel by talking about how we've been adopted into God's family may be a wonderful way for you to share the gospel with that person. Or if you're talking to someone who is from a Jewish background, then you might want to do a little bit of of research and read the book of Hebrews and figure out how you can relate their background as a Jewish person to Christianity and how you can talk about it that way. Or if there's someone who works in the judicial system and they're a lawyer or something and you can talk about, you can study Romans and you can talk about the gospel that way. So there are lots of different ways. But here's the thing. Some of you may hear that and think, I am not that creative or I don't know how to think about things that way. Um, I want to say just a couple of things about that. The first is that there is no part of this wheel where you are not allowed to ask for help. You can True. always ask for help. True. So if you meet somebody and you feel like they would really just connect a little bit better with a friend of yours, you can totally say, hey, Vince, I met this person. Can you come hang out with us the next time we hang out? Or you can say, hey, they've been talking and they've been asking these questions and I really know that it's time to share the gospel with them, but I just can't figure out how. Will you help me? You can ask people for help. There's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, you should do that. You should ask for help in those instances instead yes. of trying to just white knuckle it. That's not what we want you to do. That's not what God wants you to do ask for help. 
The second thing is that there are lots of tools and resources to help you share your faith. There are plenty of organizations that have devoted lots of time and talent and energy and money to help create tools and resources for you, for this very purpose. So you can do, um, some of you might be familiar with a bridge drawing where you draw a cross to show a bridge from getting from you without God to God. You can do something, that you can walk someone Google through. Google it. Yeah, <laughs> you can walk someone through something called the Romans Road, where you walk them through a handful of verses in the book of Romans that share the gospel, which you can also Google if you need to. Um, you can share your testimony with somebody and ask them, hey, can I share a little bit about my story and why I believe what I believe and share the gospel that way? Um, and then lastly, you can use tracks. So you have on all of your tables, you have a track. Looks like this. Pass it out, y'all. Yeah, you. there's enough for everybody to take one of these. There should be at least. Um, so I want to say a couple of things about tracks because when I worked with college students, um, law, I got a lot of eye rolls when it came to tracks. Lots of people saying, I don't need this. I, have, I know exactly what I'm doing. So if you know how to share your faith and you know how to share the gospel clearly, that's great. But a lot of people don't. And so if you're sitting here and you're like, I've never done this before. I've never had these kinds of conversations. That's a great tool. And I want to share just a a quick story about that because, um, yeah, I, would, I think it's a really helpful story. So when um, I, I met a guy, his name is Scott Berkey, and um, this is how he came to faith. So he was, I don't know why, but he was hiking by himself somewhere. And as he was walking, he ran into this person who was an older gentleman. And they, so it's just the two of them. The guy struck up a conversation with Scott and he starts walking him through a gospel track. So he just reads the gospel track to this guy. And then afterwards he finishes and he just continues on his way. And so then Scott Berkey is left here with this gospel track in his hands. And he sits and he reads it again. And then 10 minutes later, after this guy is gone by himself alone, he comes to faith. He decides to become a Christian in that moment. And the guy who shared the gospel with him never knew that, probably. I highly doubt it. Didn't know that later, 10 minutes later, this guy came to faith. But this guy, then eventually he and his wife joined a college ministry. And it was on a summer mission project where I was, where my husband and I both were, that we heard him talk. And in some of his talks, it was compelling for me to want to do full-time ministry. And that's why I joined staff initially with a campus ministry, because of some of the things that this guy said. And all of this, because some guy randomly met him and shared and walked through a gospel track with him. So the reason I want to share this story is because you never know what God is going to do, even if all you're doing is reading through a gospel track with somebody. So if you feel like you have no power, you are in good company because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not our power. Yeah. When we're sharing our faith with people, it is not resting on our shoulders. It's the power of the Holy Spirit who is moving. It takes, uh, it takes our initiative. This is a great example of stewardship where we don't own their conversion, but we have to steward the relationships that God has given us and take steps of faith and initiate in those and believe and trust that the Holy Spirit is working. So even if all you can do when you walk away from here is read through this track next to somebody, that is a good thing that you are able to do. And you'll grow and you'll get more tools and you'll gain more, gain more skills, but that is not a bad place to start. That is a great place to start. Yeah, yeah, and and um, again, if you can do it without the track, that's fine too. But if you feel like you need a helpful tool, after you've gone through question, inviting the things, question, inviting things, hanging out with them, spending time together, it's not going to be awkward for you to say, hey, look at this thing with me. Because you know them now, and they know you, and it's not like you're walking up to a stranger with this piece of paper. Yeah. Okay, so just a little bit about how this all works together now, about this the spinning process. So my friend Brandon, that I was thinking about, my old neighbor, I invited him to the worship night. He came to the worship night. He was like... 
that was cool. I don't want to go to church anymore. So I backed off for a while. I said, okay, that's fine. And I went, so I invited them to the worship night, went back to asking questions. A bunch of conversations, a bunch of conversations, invited them to something. He said no. At some point, I shared the gospel with him really clearly, and he was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Most people have to hear the gospel like six times before they even understand it. I had a friend suffer from this story, a friend named Sabrina. She was a worship leader in my um, old church. She did the Alpha class, which is a class for people who are not Christians to learn about God. She did it five times in a row before she accepted Christ because she just couldn't understand the concept. She grew up Muslim. And then after she accepted Christ, she took it four more times, nine times doing the class just to try to understand the gospel. So if you share the gospel with someone and they say no, that does not mean you're done and it does not mean you did anything wrong. So anyways, share the gospel with my friend Baron and he's like, no, I don't want to do it. So we have more conversations. Eventually I'm like, I need to invite him into something that feels like a little bit more higher commitment. So I said, let's, I'm going to invite you to read the case for Christ with me. And he really did not want to do it, but he said yes eventually. I just like strong-armed him into it. So we, we, uh, we hung out like two or three times and read a couple chapters of The Case for Christ. And the third time we got together, he was like, crap, this is starting to make sense. And I was like, yeah, man. He was like, I don't want to do it. And I was like, you got to do it. And I shared the gospel again. And he was like, no, I don't want to do it. Next week, he texts me, dude, I don't want to read that book anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Let's get together and talk again. So I go over to his house and I go, why don't you want to read the book anymore? And he goes, I don't know. And I go, is it because of what you shared last week that it was starting to make sense? And he was like, yeah, that's why. I don't want to believe. And I said, okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. So then um, went back talking, talking, talking. And now I've invited him to church this um, Sunday. And he said, yes. So do you see what I'm saying? It's not a linear process. It's just spinning, spinning, spinning spinning sometimes a spin takes a year to get through all three things sometimes you'll spin it every single week with somebody and you just discern okay well i just shared the gospel it didn't go well i'm gonna go back to asking questions and that didn't go so well maybe i'll go to this one i don't know you just spin it back and forth as long as you need to so we're, we're almost ending, but I just want to share just one last piece of encouragement for you guys. It is totally normal to feel afraid to have these conversations. If you feel afraid, you are in great company. I get nervous before having these conversations. Vince does. Every, I mean, everyone who has done this, I would be very surprised if there was someone who said, I've never been nervous. And so you are in good company. So when you feel that way, when you go to work tomorrow and you're like, okay, I've had this person on my mind. The spirit has convicted me to talk to them and your knees are kind of knocking together. Remember these few things. Remember, first of all, you do not have, uh, like I said before, this is not resting on your shoulders. You have the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you. And it is not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. So remember that when you are nervous. When you are nervous, remember that God has told us many times not to be afraid, but to be courageous. He asks us to act even in those moments when we are filled with fear. He wants us to be courageous. And he has gone before us in those moments. And then remember the Great Commission when Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, he talked to his disciples and he said, all authority has been given to me me. And so in that, that means that you have the right to do this. You can share this because he's given, all authority was been given to him. And then he told us right after that to go and make disciples. And so he's given you authority. He wants you to go. And then after that, he says, remember, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So he's with you. He is with you in this. He has gone before you. His spirit is working in you and you have the power of the spirit in you. So when you're feeling afraid, remember those verses 
believe them, pray to be filled with the Spirit, and trust that God wants you to steward this, and he's going before you, and that he wants to rejoice, just like Vince was talking about at the very beginning. He wants to rejoice with all of heaven over this person coming yeah. to faith. Come on, let's make heaven super happy, right? Right? Yeah. Amen? All right, come on, come on. Yes. All right, Lord, thanks for this time. Thanks for everybody here. Thanks for all you're doing in and through us. God, help us to say yes to the things that are in a way highest on your priority list. God, we want next year to be filled with the thing that makes heaven rejoice the most. God, help us to take the steps towards that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us online on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or otherwise share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways that we have to reach new listeners. So until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip. Thank you.